Welcome back to Run Chat. This is episode number seven coming to you from the Sound Lounge. This is Brian again, and I'm here with John. Yes, uh, this is John, and no Billy today, so we're going to kind of get back at Billy for his comments that were against Brian for not being here. Yeah, it was all Billy just saying horrible things when I was, the one weekend I fly away, but uh, I am back for episode seven again, and... We are going to talk about the season that is coming up and is starting, which I think is winter. It's winter for a lot of places in the in, in the world. Yes, Not for all our, places. our booming Australian and New Zealand audiences, South America, we love you too, but we got to stay local. We are locavores at heart. And this way, if you can get any questions from your fellow runners that might be at, in, a, in a cold place... Um, you'll be prepared to answer those questions. So you exactly. still can tune in, and yeah. it's not a loss. And listen now, listen again in six months when it's winter wherever you are. If you're on the International Space Station, I, I don't know what to do for you. But actually, you know what? We'll have some treadmill talk. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get there. Excellent. Yeah, so the change, uh, we just went, it seems like fall went so quickly. Like, yeah, there's not hot. a lot of fall. It's summer straight to winter. And We've so got the leaves on the ground. And it's beautiful outside in the, the parks as we run through New York, uh, the landscape. But then it gets a little chillier. We just got through Thanksgiving, and now the uh, I'm already sick of the Christmas music that's on the radio. Yeah, I was lucky to avoid it for a while, but now it's starting to sink in, and uh, I'm almost ready for it to be over. And that brings us to running in the cold weather, which is, um, I think, just like when you think back to the when it first became warm, you were getting used to, you had the spring weather as perfect weather. And then all of a sudden it got really hot. And so you need to, your body needs to acclimate to that rapid or that kind of, sometimes it's gradual. Sometimes it could be uh, pretty quick depending on the, the temperature that day. And just getting the body used to the change from colder, from this case, warmer to, to colder temperatures. And I, I've realized that I actually have to do a lot more laundry in the winter. Yeah, I got, always got a lot of layers on. And uh, we can talk about definitely what kind of clothing you should prepare for if you're not used to running in the winter. But my biggest problem is when that cold weather comes, I don't know if it's just because I don't run as often, but my lungs just kind of seize up. And I did uh, the Jingle Bell Jog in Prospect Park last year, and after like two miles, I was just dying. I, I think I went too fast for the weather. Do you have that happening too, or do you have any suggestions? Yeah, back to actually, your body's kind of going into shock because you're probably not, that first cold day, right, that first right. cold week, um, your, your, your lungs are not used to it. So it's really just giving, your, it sounds silly, but your lungs kind of some time to acclimate with some easy runs, maybe some as you sprinkle in some workouts. But in that case, maybe the first cold day is, happens to be a race day and you're out there and you feel like you almost have exercise-induced asthma almost where your, your lungs are almost in shock. So in that case, you probably just want to take that race a little easier. But ideally, you're able to get a couple interval workouts or hill workouts or tempo runs, which we talked about in a previous episode, uh, to help get uh, your body used to those, those colder temperatures, that colder air coming into your lungs, because easy runs a little bit not too bad because you're not kind of you're just kind of gradually you know, have an easy pace. You're not breathing heavy, but as soon as you start raising that intensity, heart rate comes up. Your breathing pattern will will come um, will accelerate, and I think that's where some people run into the problem of, oh, I can't breathe in the cold, and they just chalk it up to, oh, I'm out of cold you know, weather right, runner, right. Um, just kind of like actually the, the initial phase of running when folks, they run a, all out for a block and they realize, oh, I'm not a runner. I, yep. I, I had to slow down I, after a I block. I remember those days, uh, not fondly, but so I remember get, those days. Same thing, you have to get acclimated to um, 
you know, kind of running in, in, in all its facets, but especially breathing, which you don't think of too much because it's just kind of automatic. Yeah. But when you're running fast without warming up, you'll run into that problem. But I think it's exaggerated uh, in the cold temp. So just be aware, aware for, of that. For races, would warming up more beforehand at a slower pace help? Or is yes. it still probably going to be a problem? Yeah, I mean, you, you still need to warm up even in the winter, uh, the summer months um, yeah. if you're going to a hard effort. But it's a lot easier to go from 0 to 60 if it's mm-hmm. already 60, 70 degrees. Um, sometimes in the summer, it could be even hotter. In the winter, definitely, muscles are, are going to be colder and tighter. And when you're going from 0 degrees to 60, right. that's, exactly. that's definitely harder. Exactly. So um, it's tricky, though, because if you just live near the park, you just jog over and it's not a problem. But typically... If you're running a race, you have extra layers because you're traveling, maybe to a, the race park, and then and you're standing around in the you corrals. You need to strip down and pack a bag or check your bag in the baggage, and then you want to have dry, uh, warmer layers to put on after the race if you're commuting home. Same thing if you're working out. Um, it's easy just to kind of strip down, and leave your stuff on the side of the track, get a workout in, and put those clothes back on. But that's part of it is how to dress. It's dressing for the actual workout or race, but also how do you dress to commute there and back? It's another whole logistical component to running in the winter. Yeah. So when it gets down to, let's say, snowy temperatures, when it gets down to 30 degrees or less, I mean, one of my big goals for the winter is just to not have to reach spring and have to start over with fitness, but to keep it going at least, you know, not as much as marathon season, but keep it going throughout the winter so I'm not totally restarting. So when I'm going out there for those, you know, 30, 25 degree weather runs, I mean, what would you suggest people wear? And I guess it's going to be different if you spend $200 on your outfit versus, you know, try to work with what you have. Yeah, the key is, like you mentioned earlier, is layers. Really, um, I have a really, like, all you really need is one really good pair of tights and then maybe one good pair of baggier pants that are not too baggy like sweatpants. And that'll be my those mainstays for the whole season. It's rare that I have to go at least in the legs, beyond those two layers. And then up top, you have short sleeve, long sleeve, then you have a zip-up. You might have a vest or a running jacket. Um, yeah, I just bought a, uh, a vest at one of the post-marathon sales, and you know it's only gotten to about 40 degrees so far, but I'm finding that really does work. I always wondered, I was like, my arms have never felt too hot. Yeah, it's more your organs. It's your head and yeah. your and your torso, which you really. So need I to found keep. it really, you know, the vest approach does work pretty well, and just a vest over a long sleeve has worked so far. And typically, you want to be maybe you want to be a little chilly when you first start running because you yeah. know you're going to warm up. Your body temperature will warm up. Your 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 muscles will warm up. Your breathing patterns will be on on point. So it's really you don't want to be perfectly when perfect temperature when you step out of yeah. your apartment because yeah. you know after about a mile i found that out at the, you know, the recent turkey trot we ran it was actually seasonably warm yeah had all these layers on i wasn't racing luckily but i was way too warm um really close like really like three minutes into the race and i was so um there's definitely that whole hedging your bets of and then the wind factor depending yeah. on and especially like you said if you're traveling to a race or if you're just traveling to, you know, if you don't live right by the park where you're going to run or right by wherever yeah, you're running. A lot running. more logistics when you're traveling. Yeah, you got to gotta figure out if I'm taking off this layer, what am I going to do with it? Um, you know, I found one thing is that, you know, a sweatshirt seems like the right thing, but then it just kind of gets weighted down because you're still sweating. That's you know, great you for... You feel like you're not going to be sweating much because it's so cold, but then you get that sweat that freezes to your eyebrows, freezes to your hat. Yeah, that's sweatshirts are great for after the run, where if you need to yeah. travel or you're going to get some grass and coffee afterwards, and you actually want to get that those wet layers off. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you don't necessarily realize if it's a cold day, you're still sweating. Just same yeah. thing with hydration; you need to be hydrating, maybe not as yeah. much as in the as the summer months, but 
you're definitely sweating. Ideally, if you do have to commute to you know back home or somewhere else, if you're racing or going for a long run beyond where you're where you live, definitely uh, factor that, that into getting those wet layers off, getting some dry layers on, and then put that sweatshirt back on so you're not um, shivering. But that is definitely the tricky key. And that's how sometimes you can get sick if you're all sweaty and then you stand around in the cold weather. You really want to get inside, get that those those wet clothes off right away, get a warm shower as soon as you can. But uh, there is a trick to it, but it's really simple. Layering up, hands and head are pretty important as far as uh, keeping um, you know, the extremities uh, warm. You lose a lot of your heat, body heat front through your head. So yeah. simple, you know. Do you just wear a knit cap or you wear anything high tech? I typically, I mean, there's some knit hat cap, caps that are, you know, they're, they're they're kind of moisture wicking, but you're gonna they're gonna get wet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so it's really just uh, there's key is having a, again that warm, dry hat for after the run as well. You're not stuck with this this wet hat that you don't want to put back on, or stuck with the keeping it on through your your commute. But it's really good pair of gloves, uh, good good hat, good socks because sometimes yeah. you're running, and uh, some of these shoes they, they're not. They have they're breathable. Yeah, if you're not gonna buy your own, I just saw. Uh, I think it was Nike put out a new line of you know the same model numbers, but they were a new line of more waterproof shoes. Right. And a lot of people, I'm not planning on buying you know snowshoes to right. run in. Yeah, but, it, but one thing I did find I bought last year was uh, just a balaclava for nine bucks on Amazon. It was like wicking material, covers your head, covers your neck with a little fleece layer to make your neck warmer, or just uh, buff. They're becoming more popular. Yeah, those work really and well. Just covering, just covering your mouth a little bit while you're breathing seems to help a little bit to keep that warm, moist air in a little bit. And typically, it's just the beginning until you warm up, and yeah. then you kind of get acclimated. And and it's it's your your it's your ears or your face or your toes or fingers that usually have the problem uh, on the run. And then making sure that you're getting out of those wet clothes. One thing, as far as I mean, we're talking a lot about obviously clothing and layering, which is super important. Um, footing. I mean, I, I, in the snow, you're going to run a little bit slower, but there's usually decent traction. The trickiest part, and this is where a lot of the, the running-related injuries, but they're not the typical injuries like plantar fasciitis or runner's knee. It's more the broken wrist or the broken yeah. elbow because you slip on that black broken ice. Butt. Broken butt. So that's, um, and again, we'll talk about the treadmill a little bit. I'm not a huge fan of the treadmill because I just prefer running outside. Right. Me too. But when it's, when it's icy... Um, that's where it gets really dangerous. Uh, I'll run in 10 degrees. I'll run in negative uh, degrees because I'll layer up. But if there's any type of ice, uh, that's where I definitely steer clear of outside, and I'll either take the day off or get in the pool and cross-train, swim, or um, or get on that treadmill because those are the days where you know maybe boring, but it's a lot safer to get on that treadmill than go out there and slip on some black ice that you can't see, uh, and then you're out six or eight weeks or even worse. Yeah, and when it's just snow, is there anything you advise people to think about or just slow it down a little bit? Yeah, I mean, your pace will slow. You're doing more work because you're kind of, especially if it's a couple inches, you're almost kind of doing high knees in your running form. So you probably don't want to do a a huge long run because that's kind of you're running a different way for longer. Um, Yeah, it's almost like I find like running on the beach. Exactly. Like you seem, oh, it's summer, I should run on the beach, right. and you find out it's a hell of a workout. The next day your calves are killing yeah, you, your exactly. Achilles are, are, are giving you, screaming at you a little bit. So, yeah, um, just slow down a little bit. Just know Sometimes though, there could be some ice underneath the snow, depending on yeah. how it snowed and how that, it, you know, if it snowed the day before and then it snowed again, and then that, and that, that first layer of snow might be padded down and now ice, and then the new snow. So there's some things with, with snow where typically it's fun, it's good soft surface. You, know, you, hit, you feel that nice crisp crunch. 
out there. It's usually a beautiful scenery with the different trees, especially in the local parks here in New York. Um, so just I would worry about your pace less. And if you're used to running a tempo run at 10 minute pace, it's, you could be running 10:30 pace, and it's the same effort. Sure. So focus more on that effort based training if you're looking to get some type of harder work in. But typically, you're running easy. You're taking in the uh, the scenery and just enjoying being outside and more just getting the minutes in and not worrying about uh, quality training yeah. in, especially when it newly you know when it snows a couple inches initially. It's just go out there and have some fun and right. So that, you want to be careful, but you know don't use that as an excuse. Don't say ah I'll wait till I'll wait till it thaws. Well, yeah, you know, it was, it was we have our November project Edmonton friends have their negative 30 degree patch. patch. Yes. So, you know, be safe. Don't get frostbite cover up, but you know, you can still work out in the winter. Even that, I think this is Boston. Was it last year, Boston or two years of Boston when it, was it snowed? Was, I know it was crazy. <laughs> like if you waited for the snow, I think it was one, a couple mile stretch that everyone yeah. training for Boston would just run back and forth because everywhere else there was snow. And if you use that as an excuse, then you'll get out of shape. And yeah, then, and the last the last snowpacks didn't melt until I think May or June. Yeah, so that's so. obviously not the norm. But if that does happen, don't let weather be an excuse. As long as you're being safe, there's different ways of being creative indoors with the treadmill right. and yeah. also um, outside. Even if you're sledding, you're good, you can right. sprint back up the hill. Shoveling snow, shoveling great snow. workout, absolutely time honored workout. Little cross training, and you can make a friend uh, that neighbor, that evil neighbor, and make it your friend again. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, for the treadmill, you know, I hate running on a treadmill. I did a decent job of getting out there or getting in there last year. The biggest thing I could find was just switch it up. If you, if I just set it and just tried running, I just get so bored. So, you know, we don't want to do crazy all-out interval sprints all the time. Right. But we talked, you and Billy talked a couple weeks ago about intervals. You know, if you just switch up that pace, I find that it keeps things interesting. And I'm counting down a couple minutes to the next one instead of just, oh, I got to. Got a half hour left. I just can't stand it. And even that intervals that we talked a little bit about this doesn't just because it's an interval or a speed workout doesn't mean it needs to be hard. Yeah. So it you can have to be do top speed every you time. can do a minute of just picking it up. You know, you're running nine minute pace. You start running eight forty five pace, or you're you typically the incline of uh, to, to kind of justify regular running or simulate regular running. People will put the treadmill incline to 0.5 or one point mm-hmm. zero depending on who you talk to, that kind of supposedly takes over. You know, there's no wind on the treadmill. There's no other elements. You're not making turns. So that kind of helps kind of make runner, running on the treadmill and running outdoors more apples to apples. Um, but it's really just you could, you know, play with that a little bit. You can go up to 2%, down to 1%. So it can be uh, a minute on the minute on and off about different incline kind of percentages or steepness, or you can go to where you're talking about the varying of the pace where there's you know, five minutes of this, then five minutes of that, then five minutes of this, whether that's up and down, on and off, or maybe a progression run or a tempo run where you gradually pick it yeah, up. So it's almost more like a fartlek workout than yeah. anything. It, it's, I mean, whether you, I mean, you definitely could structure. You could use the presets, although I just find I don't use those that often because I like to control it a little bit more myself. But, you know, just messing around with it and just trying to keep it interesting. Yeah, and some people can run two hours. I know, I think it was Christine Clark, I think, in 1996, won the Olympic trials. Um, she was from Alaska. Yeah. And she did all of her training on the marathon. So I'm sure she was on doing three-hour runs on the on Everything the, on, the on the treadmill. So that's something that, you know, you just, you know, you, people can, you know, you can watch movies, you can watch documentaries or whatever else on Netflix these days. Um, so that's also a way to kind of, if you just want to focus on just getting the minutes in and doing a longer run without those segments, I would recommend watching TV um, without, you know, just, just running and not worrying about the up and downs yeah. of the incline. Yeah. But I, a lot of folks will catch up on their on their guilty pleasure of desperate housewives or whatever whatever city is popular these days 
And that's a way to get through uh, yeah. as long as you're being safe and you're not going too fast. Yeah, because we want running to be fun. And this is the first year I ever kind of got to that point where I'm like, oh, you know what? This this can be fun. You know, whether you're running with friends, which is hard, a little harder to do on a treadmill. Right. But, you know, so try to make it fun. And it's not just, but, you know, you're still trying to do something to get through and keep up that fitness. And you can do it with, different, with groups like Mile High Run, Running Club. Yeah, I just they saw have, that. They, you know, Orange Theory is another one where they have actually... Uh, that paid fitness classes where you can go with a bunch of friends and you're all doing, which is the nice thing about that is you're all running at different paces. I guess, is it basically like a spin class? It but basi- yeah, treadmills. exactly. And then, you know, you're not winning. I mean, you're not, because it's, it's the treadmill stationary. Yeah, nobody's so finishing first. Maybe you can look over and, Brian, you have 6.7 miles done and I only have 5.5 and you're bragging about it and making me feel bad about myself. Yeah, but, I, I often run so much faster than you. So, hey, yeah. so, um, but yeah, there, you, can, you can do treadmill kind of group classes and even and you can I would tack on some cross training onto that where you maybe you do some weight work or you uh, some of those classes will have a kind of a combined effort of running and you get off the treadmill and there's cowbells and or kettlebells right. and cowbells would be good too for sure. Sure, so kind of like the circuit exercise. Right. Get out a little and you running can do some a little core work. Else. I used to teach us at class at Mile High where um, you would do use the treadmill for different exercises where you're doing a bear crawl almost as oh, the treadmill's okay. moving or then you do kind of a then reverse it and so there's different w- ways of kind of using the treadmill too so that, that people can get pretty creative out there so there's definitely classes that are treadmill related that uh if you're sick of just being on your own on the treadmill try that group uh, very cool the, yeah. the kind of the pack mentality there yeah and uh you know if you have a runner in your life you could always get them a treadmill for christmas or whatever holiday you'd like to gift them something for that's a good segue but for I our suppose, next suppose uh I suppose most people aren't going to be looking that big ticket. Yeah, so, there's, there's uh, probably what, the, the smaller items like gloves and hats and headbands and buffs, and then there's the that would be the other extreme, I think. Yeah, and uh, you know we mentioned a little bit about clothing is uh, you know struggling to come up with things to you know put on my Christmas list because my mom's bugging me for uh, what she should. I just got send a, to I just Santa. got an Elfster notification. Ah, I there have you to, go. I have to add my list. And uh, the. You know, I look for a backpack that I can take either two workouts and I can run with it and it doesn't bounce all around. But the, the major thing was just socks. Right. Because, I mean, I think most runners know they go through a lot of socks and you want good ones. And, you know, if you're just looking for somebody, I think the darn tough brand of socks is just is perfect for me. And I always lose like one glove. So, I mean, yeah. and gloves are not typically very expensive. So gloves and a hat, simple. You can't go wrong with that. This might be boring, but just a simple gift card because oftentimes, yeah. if you depending on how well you know if it's your wife, you should know what they have and don't have. But if it's a you know friend from work or you know a white elephant you know from you know extended family, they you're not sure exactly what gear they might have. That's uh, might be kind of considered cheating, but at least they can get what they want. Yeah, and I. I mean, I got a really nice uh, running shirt a couple of years ago for Christmas, and it was nice. It just wasn't, I don't know, I didn't love it, and I probably wouldn't have picked it out myself. So, you know, runners get pretty personal with their stuff. Like, when I'm looking for shorts, yeah, I've got to get the exact right thing. I'm looking all over for the right shorts. So if somebody just bought me a pair, I probably am not going to love that one. Right. So the gift card, definitely a good way to go. And then there's also the you know the on the more the therapeutic side of things where you get some of the stick or foam roller, some of those are you know thirty or forty bucks, which um, you know pretty fairly cheap compared to that treadmill item you yeah, talked about. Yeah. And um, there's a little therapy, and you can say yeah, I give you a massage every day, but it's the foam roller doing that or the it, stick. But that's actually probably a good idea that most people. And instead of just giving a coupon for one free massage, right? I mean, that there you go. Lasts a lifetime. The gift that keeps on giving. 
And if you want to go a little bit more, I mean, there's the uh, running watches. You got your Garmin, your TomTom, your Polar. Yeah, that's a lot, uh, probably the yeah the, for sure. Obviously, you know, if you're looking for expensive. the big ticket, not quite treadmill size. Right. Um, you know, and those. I mean, I got one this year for the first time, and you know, you can spend as probably under a hundred dollars for the very basic ones. But you know, under two hundred dollars, you can get a really nice watch that'll tell you how fast you're running, keep track of everything. And it really helped to structure my progress this year. And then just get that gift receipt if you feel like the, there you go. Maybe you don't know that runner has a certain GPS, or maybe they have they're looking to upgrade. But um, and they some people just use their phone too. And there's a lot of apps out there that are a little bit more sophisticated, but not as, as expensive. Yeah, it's a couple dollar app. But um, I just recently started. I mean, I've run with different GPS devices in the past, but recently I got one as a wedding gift from my friend Chris Heisler from Run Western. Oh, thanks, and, Chris. And um, and I actually didn't realize what it was until I got back from my honeymoon. I thought it was just a hat and a sweatband and realized actually it was a, a Garmin watch in there, the 235 Forerunner. And, oh, okay. And it's now oh, it, was, it wasn't a GPS hat. Right. It was a hat hiding So I was watch. glad. That was, so then I I'm, you know, I feel bad. So I'm using it, and it's, it syncs with my Strava, and I'm using Garmin Connect. And, uh, again, me being in my 40s, you know, I used to run with um, you know, a stopwatch in my hand yeah. in the early 80s when before all these devices came out. So... Um, and so some folks might not be tech savvy yet, but it doesn't mean they don't they can't use this as a as an item to really help their training because it's helped me and I've been running for a long time. And yeah, it, and there are, you know there you can get very advanced. You can add the heart rate monitor, which is something that I'm looking to add next year to maybe just play around with the numbers. And I don't think it's anything I need, but a little more fun. But really, just the very basics of how long did I go, how far did I go, how fast did I go, and it's just a little bit easier than carrying a phone around. And as we talked about in other episodes, those are kind of being a detective of how do you figure out what paces and what efforts are good for you, kind of finding that Goldilocks pace on a tempo versus too fast or too slow or an interval or even typically in a race, which everyone goes out too fast. All these stats can be geeky, can be overwhelming, but they're pretty, they can be pretty simple. And just go into, luckily, you know, here in New York City, there's various jackrabbits and other stores where you can go in there and talk to someone and say, hey, tell me the, give me the lowdown on this model versus that model versus that model, because they're going to have basically small, medium, large as far as tech, and it's going to be the basics that Brian talked about. And some other things that, you know, the oscillation or time you spend on the ground might be great for a sports science uh, segment on uh, ESPN, but you're just looking to go out for a three-mile run. So don't be intimidated by that technology. Just use it as a tool. But if you don't know what you need and what, what maybe might be too much, just ask questions and, and yeah, and a lot of I mean, there's a lot of different places in New York. But if you're in a smaller town, you know, most places that have a running store, the people who work there are the people who care about it, and they're going to know something about it, and they're probably going to tell you about the one they have. Or just even Google, you know, different or look at the different. Yeah. Uh, or just go to Facebook, find the Run Chat page, and that's right. ask questions. I mean, we've got three people with three different watches, and we can tell you what to do. Also, I have a sundial. That's um. If you have a problem with your sundial, let me know. Yeah, I mean, those are in the winter when the clouds cover. It's a it's little tricky. yet like less useful. You either run for like 10 hours or, or just don't run at all. It's kind of an all or nothing device. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a marathon pace guide than a uh, sprint yeah, pace guide. Yeah, it's definitely not a 100 meter split. No, but sure. uh, and sundial also good Christmas gift. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you never know who who has one. And we, Christmas came early for us because Billy's not here. That's true. I mean, yeah. And this is like, I mean, I, I thought last week was okay, but something was missing, which was you. Um, and now Billy, you know, it just it's, seems like it's, things are going real. We're, so, we're, we're just clicking. So quiet and calm. We're not fighting over each other's words. Yeah. Oh, um, we actually, Billy, just to rub it in a little bit, we actually are in a different 
um, studio here in the Sound Lounge here in uh, in downtown Manhattan, and it's uh, we have four mics, we have a couch, a couple chairs, because there's, there's a guitar on the wall. So we're definitely inspired, and we we're really appreciative of Anthony and our other friends at Sound Lounge to give us this facility because it's definitely making um, it easier to, to to pull off this epic um, yeah. podcast. And I had FOMO for those two episodes I missed, but man, I. If I knew that it looked like this, I would have been crazy. I would have canceled my trip. <laughs> this would have been your vacation. I mean, yeah, exactly. I would have just, you know, paid instead of paying for a flight, I would have booked some studio time just to hang out in here. So it's Sound Lounge is where it's at. Great place. We need to record anything. I bet. I bet you could come in and talk to them. I bet. I bet you can. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what we'll be talking about next time, but we I'm might sure have some special we'll guests pretty soon. Ooh, we, I we, hope we, we keep lining up some more guests. We have some guests to kind of make, and we've talked about the basics in the first couple episodes of who's a runner and why we run and what the motivation is and marathon-specific training and, and core strategy and running terms and uh, all that. But then we're going to start introducing some guests, which will kind of get tell. You know, we have our story, which we're telling through the podcast and our little anecdotes, but I think it's fun to kind of get some other perspectives in here. So... The next couple episodes, you'll we'll see some. Um, hopefully, you won't necessarily see, um, but you'll definitely hear some different voices and different point of views, which I think will speak to most people out there, and I think be hopefully pretty encouraging and informative. Sounds like fun. So we got some fun ways to run, some safe ways to run, some nice new clothes to run in this winter, and we'll give you some more inspiring stories to keep you at it. And one last tip with the weather: it's not quite that cold yet here in New York. So get that routine. If you ran the marathon, you took a couple of weeks off. Thanksgiving's in your rear view mirror. Um, make sure you get that little bit of structure down there. So when it does get cold, you're not starting from scratch. Like Brian talked about, maybe losing some of that. Get that routine before the holiday, before the New Year. Uh, so when those 20 or 10 degree with the wind chills come around the corner, your your routines. You're not starting like if you don't feel like you're starting over. Yeah, it's not your five or six day marathon training plan, but it's your some structure. You know what? Two, three, four a day a week. I'm gonna be out there. I'm weatherproof. I'm going to get it done. And feel free to look at the weather. If it's going to be pouring rain like it is today, yeah. you can switch take switch, switch your day off to today. That's not just, just being smart. So yeah. uh, unless you're running seven days a week, then use the treadmill. There you go. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. See you next time.